0: Welcome to the FOX1 Podcast, where we investigate UFOs and related topics. I am Rex, your host and fellow UFO enthusiast. Now let's dive into the subject of today, the Papua New Guinea meteor and USOs. About two weeks ago, One News, a YouTube channel based in New Zealand, conducted an interview with Professor Avi Loeb. There he explained that he was planning an expedition for the Papua New Guinea meteorite, which crashed near Manus Island in 2014. What they're gonna do is look for it underwater. Now what is so interesting about this meteorite is that it's got interstellar origins. Avi a professor at Harvard, already investigated Amuamua. He thinks it is possible that Amuamua has alien origins and could be for instance an alien probe. If you're interested about knowing more about Amuamua, I did an earlier podcast on the subject there I also mentioned that Avi Loeb started a new project in July 2021 called the Systematic Scientific Search for Evidence of Extraterrestrial Technological Artifacts. And now he is planning an expedition to look for the Papua New Guinea meteorite, which is an interstellar object. Now because it is underwater, I also wanted to include a couple of other USO examples in this podcast. In previous podcasts, I looked at UFOs, flying UFOs. I looked at interstellar objects in space, muamua mua. I also looked at the design and performance characteristics of UFOs, as described by Bob Lazar. And I looked at UFOs and possible bases in Antarctica. Let's start with the definition of a USO. USO stands for Unidentified Submerged Object. Which is an unidentified object submerged in water. The term does not necessarily refer to an object of paranormal origin. So a USO could be, for instance, a spaceship, but also structures on the water or formations. Or let's say UFO bases or USO bases for that matter. Now, recently, the US government has started to refer to UFOs as UAPs meaning Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So, a USO would be a USP, an Unidentified Submerged Phenomenon, if you would use the US government's way to refer to these objects, whether in the air or submerged. Also, it must be noted that a UFO can become a USO, for instance, when a UFO dives into the water, or vice versa. So it could be the same object operating in the air and underwater. And so many UFOs have been observed near the oceans, or over the oceans. After all, 71% of the Earth is covered with water. So it makes sense that UFOs are detected here. And if you would like to have a secret alien base, and you can operate underwater, well, then the ocean is one of the better places to stay hidden. All of this is, of course, theoretical. Before going into greater detail about the Papua New Guinea meteor, it is important to distinguish between meteors and meteorites. Now, a chunk or broken-off piece of an asteroid or comet is called a meteoroid. When a meteoroid enters the atmosphere and burns up, it is called a meteor. Now the bits left over from the meteor burning up in the atmosphere are called meteorites. So what Professor Loeb is looking for is a meteorite that can be found near Manus Island and what is left from the Papua New Guinea meteor. So in 2014 satellites and sensors from the ground, American ones, used to monitor objects entering the atmosphere for national security purposes, detected a meteor entering the atmosphere at a speed of 160,000 kilometers an hour. They found the object to be interstellar and crashed into our atmosphere with a huge explosion, equal to the force of a few percent of the Hiroshima bomb. So the object is interstellar, but it also created an explosion, which is the second special thing about it. Now this explosion means that the object is heavier than iron. This is why Avi Loeb thinks there's a possibility this object could have alien origins. And it could be made out of some artificial alloy, like stainless steel. So now they're gonna look for it. But keep in mind that it is quite small, just larger than a microwave, because most of it burned up in the atmosphere. Professor Loeb also mentioned that should this thing be alien, then it could have been sent billions of years ago by some ancient civilization. His take on extraterrestrial research is not just listening to radio signals, which we have been doing for the last 70 years. He says that we should also look for the things which are coming here. He did this with Amoamua, and now also with the Papua New Guinea meteor. So, what they're actually going to do, to look for this meteorite and possible fragments, is they're going to take a sled with a magnet and scoop the ocean floor. In theory, they could find parts of a burned-up spaceship, or alien drone. So now we have looked at the Papua New Guinea meteor. Let's have a look at some other USOs. To the east of Papua New Guinea, you have the Solomon Islands. Over there it seems like lots of UFOs or USOs rise out of the water where World War II warships got sunk. And then they either disappear again in the ocean or they go to the islands. And also they go into or fly out of volcanoes over there. They have been seen hovering above wrecks. Lights have been getting in and out of the water only to disappear. So lots of activity in this area. This doesn't mean that it has got anything to do with the Papua New Guinea meteor, but just by coincidence, this is a UFO hotspot. The locals clearly have a culture which accepts these phenomenon. Fishermen have felt the heat of UFOs as they passed. Obductions have taken place, and the abductees have never been seen again. There are also legends of giants in the Guadalcanal, and that there is an alien base over there. These legends include half-fish, half-men beings coming from the sun by rainbows and shooting poisonous flying fish. There are also stories of humans changing into any form. So UFOs and strange phenomena are widely accepted to exist by the locals. It does make sense, should UFOs and aliens exist and operate a lot near water. Island inhabitants would have witnessed these things for generations. Now let's get back to the West and what we have seen there. In case of the Tic Tac UFO, Commander David Fravor of the USS Nimitz, flying his F-18, spotted the Tic Tac UFO right above Whitewater, the size of a 737. This is how we found the UFO, right above Whitewater. Now what does that mean? It, was it interacting with something else underwater, water, or did it come out of the water just at that moment? Both scenarios are possible. Another thing must be said about Bob Lazar's account. If you accept his observation as truthful, then you know that UFOs create a gravity bubble around themselves. This suggests that UFOs can pass through different uh, mediums like air and water. Okay. Let's look at a couple of more USO observations. The other day, I came across a really cool interview, which I found on the Leto Files channel on YouTube. It is dedicated to UAP investigation, and is done by Chris Leto, a former F-16 driver. Go visit his channel. Some amazing videos there. Now, about a week ago, he interviewed this man called Bob McGuire, ...who was active in the field in clandestine intelligence collection. Because of his involvement in military affairs, he couldn't go into great detail about his observations... ...but he witnessed two cases of UFO-USO activity. The first one was in 1998-99 when he was a rider on a submarine. So he wasn't a crew member, but he was an intelligence officer aboard the USS Hampton. And they were running deep and fast. This is when he heard a sound, a whizzing sound, made by an object passing the submarine at extreme speeds. The sonar specialist indicated that it was going at the speed of sound in the air, but then underwater, which is impossible. And keep in mind, the equipment is highly accurate and there was nothing wrong with the sensors, according to the crew. This observation lasted for a couple of seconds, so something extremely fast, impossibly fast, passed by the submarine. What could it be? We don't know, but it is a clear example of a USO. Not seen, but heard. The second phenomenon Bob McGuire witnessed was a UFO. This was when he was on board the USS Blue Ridge, the flagship of the 7th fleet based in Japan, a helicopter carrier. At some point, the ship found itself in a typhoon, a tropical storm. But there was no rain as he was looking from the bridge. He went outside to have a look, and when he was on top of the superstructure, shielded from the wind by the ship's bulkhead, he could see a glow right above the ship's bow, and it looked like it was blocking the rain. The glow was yellowish and got brighter and whiter and then it took off, it looked like the light was being emitted from a flat surface. The moment the UFO took off, the rain came back and covered the ship, as it should during a typhoon. Bob McGuire witnessed this UFO for a couple of minutes, maintaining its position. Keep in mind that this UFO could also be a USO, but it was seen above the water this time. So, Bob McBear witnessed the sound of a USO when he was on a submarine and he saw a UFO when he was on a helicopter carrier. On the History YouTube channel, one describes a USO in the 1990s when a Navy helicopter pilot saw an underwater mass during a training exercise. A similar incident took place in 1963 during a training exercise led by the USS Wasp, a submarine. So sometimes USOs are seen, or sometimes they're only being heard. An example of the latter took place in 1991, when a deep-water hydrophone detected a sound in the Pacific between Australia and South America. What was heard was a whoop-whoop sound, which ascended at the end, and they called it the upsweep. Now, they have no idea what the upsweep sound from 1991 actually was. It was detected at a distance of 5,000 miles, and it couldn't be, for instance, an offshore drill, because they have a different sound, and no animals we know emit this sound. It could be an unknown sea beast, but what we know for sure is that the source had to be massive. For all we know, it could have been a USO as well. Another interesting case is the Baltic Sea anomaly. Back in 2011, Peter Lindbergh from Ocean X, a treasure hunter organization, found a 60 foot long object accompanied by a 650 foot long trench, which makes it look like the object crash landed. They have one sonar image of the USO. And from the top, it actually looks like the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. Who knows, right? Maybe Han Solo and Chewbacca crash-landed here on Earth a long time ago, from a galaxy far far away. What we can see is a circular object and rather angular design on top of it. There's a lot of speculation going on of what it actually is. Some say it's an underwater Nazi base, or it used to be. But it could also be the rooftop section of a German bunker, which fell off a ship at some point. Others say the crash kit, the long trench, could just be an edge effect caused by the sonar. What is very interesting is that Ocean X claims their electrical equipment failed when they approached the object. Well, this would be very strange if the Baltic Sea anomaly was a building or a structure. So at this point, we still don't know what it is and if all observations are correct. Now let's get back to the surface. On the 25th of August, 2013, near Aguadilla, Puerto Rico, crew noticed a pinkish light. They tracked it with a FLIR camera. FLIR stands for forward-looking infrared, meaning that the footage is in black and white, using temperature to record images. You can actually see the footage for yourself on the History channel on YouTube. Now the object seems to fly around the airport and then heads for the ocean and then splashes into the water. So from UFO to USO. And then emerges later. From USO to UFO. After which it incredibly splits into two separate craft. After a few minutes they disappeared from view. They did an analysis of the object. It showed to have an ambient temperature like its surroundings. Meaning it didn't have a jet engine. It wasn't a bird. It didn't have the angle of attack of a drone and it couldn't be a balloon because the wind was blowing the other way. Its size was found to be 3 to 5 feet in diameter. So like the Tic Tac UFO, this one has been grabbed on camera. A clear sighting. So what can we conclude from all this? One thing is for sure, a lot of USOs have been spotted. Also, a lot of UFO's have been seen operating near or above the water, making them possible USO's. Furthermore, it seems like UFO's can become USO's and vice versa. And coming back to the Papua New Guinea meteor, it looks like Professor Avilo has ample reason to start his expedition looking for the Papua New Guinea meteorite. We know it has interstellar origins, and because of the explosion it caused when entering our atmosphere, we know it is heavier than iron. Now Avi Loeb has to look for it, find it, and determine what it's made of. Let's see, it could very well be an alien object. I say we wish Professor Avi Loeb the best of luck with his expedition. Thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to our next UFO investigation together in the next episode of the Fox 1 podcast. Have a good one.